What's good? What's up, man? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. How you doing? Good. Uh, back to training. Back to training? Back to finally doing what I love to do every single day. Yeah. How long were you out of doing it? Almost three weeks. Well, yeah, over three weeks now. What caused you to be out? I did a CrossFit competition, which not really a fan of CrossFit, but I did it for a buddy of mine. He did it for a really good cause, and I just was like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do it with you. He, he, Yeah, it was just a supportive thing. He paid for it. Uh, for my birthday and i said i'd do it and it was just intense yeah it was just i'm not used to that type of training anymore and when i go i go like i get really intense too and i gave everything i had and i woke up the next morning i couldn't move i couldn't put my hands over my head i could barely like wash my bag or anything so it really sucked and i thought maybe i'm just sore and uh about a week goes by and i barely any change and like I said, it's been about three weeks. I finally just started being able to roll again. Mm-hmm. But it's also to help me realize a lot of things in general of how much you don't you say you're being that intense. Why do you? Why did you think you needed to be that intense to begin with? I just, it's just me. It's just who I am. Yeah. I, I've always been intense with it, especially when it comes to competition. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could be competitive in the dumbest thing. It doesn't matter. You know what I think is um, the most impressive part of you and being competitive is that uh, a lot of people that I roll with, I've rolled in a few other gyms, but a lot of the gyms that I roll with, people that are, like, are as competitive as you, when it comes to training, they're not as focused on developing other people as you are. Like I know, I know myself personally, and I know a few other people that have said that training with you, they've seen a lot of growth because you're so focused on making them better. Like... I don't think there's been a time that me and you have rolled that you didn't take the time after to stop and say, okay, hey, this is what you did wrong here. This is which, how you could have done better. You're not threatened about at all like about me or anybody else getting better than you. It's almost like you want us to get better so that we can push you. And it's not even in a selfish way. It's just like that's the way you should train. I just wonder where you get that. I think it's because when I first started training, I got beat up badly and i realized real quick that the only way that you get better is training with better people but they have to take the time to make you better if they just come beat you up and they don't help you at all you're not going to get any better you're just going to get beat up you're going to get discouraged and you're going to stop probably yeah. and i've watched that happen a lot and for the first few years it's my first seat people up and i didn't really help people as much but being where we're at now is just a different dynamic than where I was training. And I'm not saying that that was a bad place I was training. I loved no. where I trained before. But I think just in the fact of like where I'm at now, mentally, physically, and everything, it's like I'd rather help people because the better you guys get, the better I get. Exactly. And instead of just being like, Psh, whatever, you're lower ranked than me with a belt, so I'm not going to help you. Like That doesn't make any sense to me. Speaking of lower ranks up. Congratulations on your purple belt, your fourth, uh, your oh, fourth thank strike. you. That good looks, feeling. That looks so good. Real good feeling. And you deserve it. You deserve Even it. Even Matt was just like, stop staring at him. I was like, I can't. Sorry. Yeah. Just seeing that little bit of progression, knowing that I wake up every morning with that goal of getting better. Right. And, and even if, even if throughout the day, all I did was make someone else get better, which, yeah. and, and it will help me in the long run. Yeah. So I think that's a huge reason why I am the way I am, the way I train. There's days where I want to go in there and I want to just you know go hard and you know some people don't like that some people don't like that but i've it's less and less like i said getting hurt it's actually opened my eyes to a lot you don't need to go into the tents all the time yeah it's interesting how you said i mean i've seen you you do turn it up but i don't think you've ever 
turned up to a point where people are like, it's too much. It's always a controlled turnout. You're always making me work. And then when you're going with the, one of the higher ranks and it's always making losing stuff, you don't have to letting yourself down, yeah. letting your training partners down and uh, just really showing up. And you do that over and over again. And I think that's a big part of why you're, you're in purple and a fourth, fourth stripe. Explain to, explain to people um, what the striping system means so they can understand. So at least in my experience, mm-hmm. from what I've seen in jujitsu, when you start getting ranked, it's more, this is just my opinion, it's more not just how good you are, it's about the time you put in. And instead of just beating people up and beating people up like I first thought, right. that that's what it was. Like if I was a blue belt and I was tapping out brown belts, why aren't I a brown belt? Why aren't I getting ranked faster than this other person? Because that wasn't what it was about. It was about being there. It was about showing that love for jujitsu. It was for showing that you're not in it just to hurt somebody. You're not in it just to go beat up people. You're in it for a different reason. And for a long time, I didn't do that. I went in there and it was like, I got beat up when I was first starting. So, and this was before I started really like a gi jujitsu. So, in my opinion, a lot of it comes down to. Use like if you want to get ranked quicker, don't just try to go hard all the time. If you don't try to be just that guy that beats everybody up and just show up a bunch, just go. Like, I try to double. Doing, just show I up, just show I try up. to double up at least three or four drills. It's another thing. Yeah. Like Don't if you're you. if your professor, your coaches, or whatever watching you not just lie, roll all the time, they're gonna say, oh, he's actually interested in learning. Not interested in beating people up, be interested in learning, and they're gonna see that. Um, but I think that I don't have the full, you know, description on how to get ranked and yeah. stuff. I I just have the uh, opinion of at least this is where I'm at now. If I had to say like the reason why I'm getting ranked is because now I'm not just coming in there trying to beat people up without. Yeah, you know yeah. anything else besides that reason i'm in right. there trying to help people i'm in there exactly. teaching i'm in there coaching too right. and i think that whenever whatever professor you have they see that type of growth not that just progresses. physically right and and when um, for people that are listening when he's saying you know beating people up he's not talking about going in there and punching people and knocking them out he's talking about going and just when you're rolling just roll just overpowering people tapping them left and right yeah. not letting them work just literally beating them up in that regards and beating them up mentally because yeah that's actually in my opinion you get beat up mentally more yeah, than anything you're not yeah. getting punched in the face and no. stuff like that but you are mentally getting drained you're like what like especially right. if a smaller guy does it to you and you yeah. think you're some big bad dude and right. someone half your size you know folds you in half like a pretzel it's demoralizing so let me let's go back um and let people really understand what the purple belt means some guy just gave you because he likes you Let's back up a little bit and tell everyone how long you've been how long have you been training jujitsu. It'll be five years of actual like jujitsu in February, and in my and again this is just my opinion. In my opinion, the purple belt's like when you really fi- start finding what you're good at. You know, are you better on your back? Like, do you like your triangles? Do you like your armbars? Do you like being on top? Do you like certain type of guards? And it's just finding as a lot of people have sold me is your flavor of ice cream. Yeah. What do you like to do? And you're just trying to work that. Got it. And that's what I've been doing. Ever since I got that purple belt, I've been just trying to figure it out. Cool. I think when I first started, I was more of like, I liked being on my back because people always thought they were, you know, 
beating me and mm. like if it was in a competition or if it was in a live role they thought that they had the advantage, you know, advantage. yeah and i started really working that but ever since i've been uh, you know at matt's i've been working just everything right and I, I i feel like i have found how i like to roll wow so what's the biggest difference you feel with within yourself as a, from going from a white belt to blue belt white to blue yeah when you were going from that well, position from white to blue it's kind of funny how i started jujitsu because when i started all i went to a gym that it there was no real like coaching going on it was kind of just go in there and you know start rolling you know i didn't really know that much and i remember the first day i rolled like i got tapped like beat up what what is this so i was like all right so I just kept rolling. I didn't do anything else. I just kept rolling without learning anything. Mm. But because of my physical strength, um, it if I rolled against somebody that wasn't as strong, it helped. Mm -hmm. But if I rolled with anyone that knew what they were doing, in yeah, I was in trouble every time. So I started like actual training, and I think I went in, and these guys knew what they were doing. They were purple brown black belts and i was like okay i need to really figure out how to do this like it's not just being strong it's not just being big it's not just having good cardio because that's all i did i just right. weight lifted i and did cardio like i'd run and i'd do the crossfit stuff just to get in better shape and it just it didn't help at all yeah i didn't transfer on the map it didn't at all i mean it helps now having that like because i know the technique, the technique and everything but it didn't back then and i just i really buckled down on learning just a few things to try and perfect those so i got my blue belt fairly quick at least for what i've seen other people get it mm -hmm. and uh, i think that the biggest thing that i from white to blue was just realizing that it's not just too strong or anything mm -hmm. it was more how okay i need to actually really learn this and i just had to learn a couple things and it went a long way. I tried to perfect them the best that I could. And through drill. And how, how did you do that? Through drilling? Yeah, I would just drill. And all those guys back then that I was uh, in class with were awesome. Yeah. No one was ever like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know, they never did that. No one I've ever really uh, trained with was like that. I think that's a huge reason also why I'm not like that. Right. No one ever did it to me. So, yeah, so people would help me. So I always felt like I should help people too, especially the more advanced I got. Right. Why is it that when people get to the purple belt, they feel like they can get a tattoo? A or, tattoo? Yeah, that whole tattoo thing. I, don't I, tattoo. I honestly don't know. Yeah. I've contemplated getting a tattoo, yeah. but I just don't know what. If I do get one, it'll probably be when I get my black belt. Okay. Just because I don't want to look back and be like, oh, you know what? I should have gotten this instead. So you uh -huh. just said when you get your black belt, which I like the way you phrased it. It wasn't a matter of if, possibly. I'm thinking about it. Maybe, might. Why did you say it like that? Because I'm going to, because I'll never stop. The only way I'd ever stop doing this is if I physically couldn't anymore. And the, it's the single-handedly the best thing I've ever done in my life. Pretty much everything that's been good in my life is because of martial arts, because of jujitsu. So I mean, I could go on and on and on for hours about that. Stop. That's why I bought you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where do where do we get started? Come on. I mean, literally. When I first started, I said I was just strong. I I would say, if anything, I was too confident. I was just pretty much just this cocky big guy that 
thought it didn't matter how, how good your technique was and if you knew all these submissions. So when I realized real quick that it, you know, it did, it made me step back and it made me say, this stuff really works. I want to learn this. Mm-hmm. And just ever since then. So, you know, what's interesting about learning a martial art. So you said you were this big, mean guy and you would think that once you learn these techniques, it would make you meaner. And make because you, you now you learn to actually kill someone, be able to kill someone, so your confidence should go up. Why is it that people that learn martial arts instead of getting meaner in the streets, it calms them? I think it's because they actually build real confidence. I think that when you have real confidence, you don't have to go around, you know, showing it off. I think when you have low self esteem, when you're, you know, you're you're cocky, when you you have like that false sense of confidence, um, you're insecure. That's when you're gonna go try to beat people up for no reason or right. you know instigate stuff so fights do happen i just i was never a big street fighter i never really got into fights right. growing up mm-hmm. ever um if anything i would just mess around with my buddies once in a while yeah and uh because i was the bigger guy you know i was a lot bigger when i was a teenager they didn't want to most of the time so um that put that in my head like i'm just you know i'm just like that ass i was remember uh, how much of your first humbling do you remember it was from chad Beatty. Mm-hmm. chad Beatty is was probably 50 pounds less than me and uh and this was when um eddie Fivey was uh spa city correct? yes okay. and i mean he made it look easy i mean i felt like he wasn't trying at all and i was just like Oh my God! I was like, this stuff is ridiculous because he felt so physically strong. strong yeah. And I'm like, and in my head, I remember thinking, how was he stronger than me? <laughs> and like, it just doesn't make sense. And that was the first black belt I ever rolled with. And I was like, oh my God, this stuff is ridiculous. I need to learn this, and I instantly fell in love. I right. mean, instantly. No questions asked. Yeah. And, and then the curiosity kicks in, and then you really start. So. I struggle with the terminology. Did you did you struggle with like the terminology, all of it? I mean, yeah, I struggle with all of it. There's yeah. still things that I'm just like, and you know, Matt does a really good job at breaking everything down so I can. Understand. Yeah, I understand. I see it better than just being like, here, here's a move. Oh well, you know, you're a little, you're a little too big for this. You're not as flexible, mm-hmm. so you might have to do it a little differently. He makes it so that that's not an issue for anybody, and I've learned some really 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 good jujitsu not even just physically just mentally too there you go the mental jujitsu it's it's crazy i mean i've been with him for almost two years it'll be two years next month and again jujitsu is the best thing i've ever done awesome and i think such as being with so um you know so when it comes down to it i wouldn't have anything that i have right now i wouldn't have had the relationships i've had i wouldn't have the jobs that i have right I want to have the confidence that I have. And that stuff goes a long way. It does. Just real confidence. Knowing yeah. if someone did try to come at me, I could defend myself. And I'm not saying just because you know jujitsu, you can beat everybody up right. that doesn't know jujitsu. Anything can happen. But, uh, and I definitely don't condone just going out there beating people up no, for actually, no reason. Actually, you know, someone did come at you, and they came at you at a Rippers Casino when, uh, during your, your Cage Wars fight. <laughs> During your case, during you, you step in. Oh, 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 gotcha. I'm like, I mean, I was, I was on cloud nine, so I don't remember anyone actually coming at me after. But walk me through. I want to talk about that. I'm really excited to talk about that because I remember um, 
having the privilege of being in the gym and working, watching you prepare for that fight, watching you prepare mentally and physically and the way you were pushing yourself um, to get ready for that fight. And then seeing you in the ring and performing the way you did. I mean, to be a training partner and to see that, it's almost it's almost kind of like you're in there with you for a certain, to a certain degree. And I say that because I know what it's like to be put in your toes. <laughs> so, so there were certain parts that I would have ruled for people listening that haven't seen him. But um, when you went down, because I want you to tell the story, but when you brought him to the ground, I just felt sorry for him. Like I just knew. I've when you heard had that a back, lot. I've yeah, heard I just lot. knew. I felt sorry for him because he felt it. So I sucked me up. He felt it. when you're in the back. Walk me to the way the way in. How was the way in? I'll, I'll go back further than that. When Let's I was cutting it. weight. Let's do it. Um, I had actually tried to fight, you know, numerous times. I would say probably five or six times. And I'd always get to like that, get to the weight cut and then something would happen. So I never fully got to like go to weigh in. So finally I'm like, I think this kid's going to show up. He's a young kid. He's big, he's strong. Um, and he's coming from a legit gym. So I'm like, all right, I, you know, I'm really, really going to make this happen. I want to get 170 on the dot. I don't want 171. It was just a, it was a mental thing for me. I want to know I can make 170 on the dot. So the night before weigh-ins, I sat in a little um, portable sauna for like two hours. And when I woke up, I was so light that I could actually eat on the day of weigh-ins, which usually, usually doesn't happen. Right? And just to be on the safe side, I went back in for a little bit. And, uh, you know, the feeling that I had, I was just by myself watching TV and just the mental preparation that I had to going in my head. I was, I was in front of a television, but I wasn't even paying attention. I was just saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do, but this could happen. I just went through all these different scenarios in my head. And, um, I don't know, just it, now looking back at it, it was, that made it even just a better experience for me. So when I got to weigh in, I didn't feel it until we did the stare down. Like I weighed in and I was 169. No, I can okay, I'm wait now and I felt good. I wasn't dehydrated at all. I might not have looked that great, but I felt fine. Right. Um, he ended up missing weight, which wasn't a big deal for me. Why um, isn't that? Because I know that and we see in the UFC, we're seeing a lot, a lot of other fighters get super upset when someone misses weight. I think when it's professional, yeah. it's a little different. Like okay. you're you're getting paid a lot of money, and when you're at that level, five pounds can make a big difference. Right. But where I'm at right now, where a lot of other, and I'm not bashing any amateur fighter, but I just, I've, for me, I've been training for a very long time, and some guys that are just getting on the amateur scene that haven't had any fights don't have that much experience. So when I saw that he missed weight, I was like, I don't care. I'll fight him at whatever weight he's at right now. He doesn't have to cut any weight, but you know, they had to make him. Right. So he went out and he had to cut weight. So then he ends up making weight. And when we did the stare yeah, down, yeah, how much he had to cut. it was like four pounds, I think. Wow. But it was like 90 degrees and he had a hoodie on. So he yeah. just went outside and yeah. just, uh, a little bit. and he was such a nice guy. Like me and him had talked a little bit, you know, you know, I thanked him. I thanked him for, you know, being here because I've been wanting to do this for so long. And I finally had the right people in my corner. I finally had the right, uh, training camp and everything everything was just perfect i was like thank you you know this yeah. this is a big step for just me and uh so when we did the stare down it made it real and i just remember that feeling like i smiled and it was like a real smile it wasn't like a i'm trying to shung off and smirk just wow i did i just felt like so strong in that moment my energy felt so um 
good and it was just it just again this whole process was amazing for me so when the you know, the day of the fight i woke up very well rested had a little bit to eat um, i met up with uh matt and derek and we did some you know mental preparation a little bit of physical but um a lot of mental and i just stayed very strong mentally and we got to the hotel and i remember i just wanted to be alone really like it wasn't like an anger thing i just wanted to be alone like i just wanted to relax and yeah yeah, take everything like we went into the cage and bounced around a little bit we uh i gambled a little bit and lost so that wasn't fun (laughs) but uh this is at Rivers Casinos in Schenectady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost a little bit, so I wasn't too happy about that. But whatever. Um, it didn't affect. It didn't affect. Oh no. No, I was just passing time. Yeah, I was just passing time. I ended up um, stopping after a little bit anyway. So I was just like, all right, I'm gonna go sit in a room by myself. So I went up in the room that you know Cage Wars gave me, and. I just sat there and I'm like, it's finally gonna happen. Like I was counting down the minutes. Like I really was. I was like, I am so excited to do this. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't anxious. I was excited. I really had wanted to do this. Win or lose, it did not matter to me. I wanted to go out there and do what I do. And very, and when I walked out, <laughs> I just remember being like, it is go time. There is no way this dude's taking me out. You're gonna have to kill me. And, <laughs> And uh, I mean, you think I'm competitive just in, ju- in like in yeah, the jiu-jitsu room? Yeah. Like I was like, there's just no way I'm not giving him anything. I'm not gonna. And if he does get anything, if you know, I'm gonna fight tooth and nail, everything I got to right. make this a dog fight if that's what needs to be. And uh, you know, if you if you saw the fight, I pretty much just land a few good shots. I'd... What was it like when you heard that ring close, that cage close? Again. It was just like it's go time. It's I mean, time. I focused, laser focus, right on him. So when did the um, like they say that there's a switch that, that clicks over? When did that switch kick over for you? I would say the second he teep kicked me. Oh really? Yeah, it took the strike to really like be like okay because he kicked me hard. Like he kicked me right in the solar plexus, and I felt it. And I just remember being like, "Nah, you're done now." And I hit him a few times. Oh yeah. And then when I grab, grabbed him, he just, I mean, he the noises he was making, I was like, there's just no way, dude. Sooner or later, I'm going to get you. It might not be in the first round, but yeah. I could just feel him wilting. And So when you went and sat down, because you went, uh, explain the first round to me, just walk it through your mind as much as you can remember. So, cause I, I'm so bad. I, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, all right, that's exactly what the game plan was. Kick him and... Then it was start lighting him up with jabs and, you know, one-twos. And uh, that's exactly what I did. I, I don't really like to swing wildly, right. and I didn't. Right. I just, my one-two, my bread and butter, just one-two, one-two, one-two. And, and he, he was very awkward with the way he moved. So I remember being like, I have to throw my punches down because he would duck so far. And uh, I didn't want him on top of me because he was a tall, lanky guy. Mm-hmm. And even though we we kind of punched in the face, it was just I feel like he would have been hard to armbar or triangle. So I was like, I don't want to kick him, keep kicking and have him take me down. So I'm like, I'll just keep punching him. And if he tries to take me down, I'll try to defend and get into position. So 
I hit him really good right in the eye. I mean, if he didn't have a black eye, I mean, I felt my knuckle go into his eye socket. It was it was a hard punch. And I saw him, like, wins in pain. So I'm like, I got him. But when I did my 1-2, one, one, um, he swung back and I ducked under and I just grabbed him. And the second I grabbed him, I was like, oh, man, this guy doesn't want anything to do with this. I mean, he was strong. I'm not... Saying he wasn't, he did a very good job staying up for a while. Uh, he grabbed the fence and the referee's eye on him. He's like, don't get emotional, don't get mad. And, uh, like, don't lose focus. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to keep, um, just keep the pressure on him. I kept squeezing. And finally I was like, all right, you know, I'd done it like four times. And he grabbed the fence like four different times. I went to, like, slam him. So I was like, all right. So I just turned into him and I dragged him down mm-hmm. yeah, instead. And then I just put all the pressure I had. I mean, I he tried to move me off of him. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I could just feel that if I made the wrong move, he probably would have got his guard back. And for people that really don't know that much jujitsu, I was in what's called a side control, a side okay. mount. And I much would much rather be there, especially in an MMA fight. So it was a much better position. So I didn't want to lose that position. And like I said, he was he was strong. He was long. He was a lot taller than me. So I was like, if I move wrong, he's gonna capitalize on it. Yeah, and I couldn't punch on the face in the face on the ground. That's so, one of the rules for uh, cage wars. Yeah, when you're novice, um, first three fights you can't, or first two fights you can't, and the third one you can. So I couldn't punch him in the face. So I was like, I'm just gonna keep turning him this way with hopes that he'll give me his back. And it took about a minute. And finally, I think the pressure got too much on his face, on his jaw and stuff. And he finally turned his back. And I just do what I love to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that body triangle. That body triangle. I love my legs around everything started squeezing. And I heard him, like, make it. Like, a, like, holy crap. And for that split second, I was like, oh, man, it'd be awesome to get a submission from a body triangle. And have everyone be like, what did he tap from? He didn't choke him. So I heard the for the, the 10 seconds yeah the round was gonna be over i was like ah nah i'm finishing this so he like went to flip and as he went to flip i just swung my arm through and i got and i grabbed the one arm where he could have really defended yeah and i just put that to his side which and was I just awesome got, how you pinned that yeah i just pinned it down and i just grabbed like his top of his shoulder yeah, and i just turned up. and got the single arm rear naked then hmm. when the, the commentator went nuts when he did that did he they went absolutely he went absolutely nuts because a lot of people are waiting for you to swing that other arm to finish it. They yeah. don't realize that with the right technique, the right pressure. Yeah. That's a, a lot of it's yeah. that angle exactly. that you can take. It didn't even feel like I was squeezing that hard. I just literally like Your turned. squeeze is unbelievable. I just once I saw you take his back, it was over. And I was I was really surprised because I heard that ten second thing go off, and I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, he that kid, that guy that kid got lucky. Yeah. And then I watched you isolate his one arm, and I'm like, oh no. And I saw the other swing, and I said, it's over. Like <laughs> I remember literally like I'm sitting up and he's giving me his neck and I look down at him and as I was like I'm going to tap him to this body triangle because I know I have a lot of pressure on his spine right now and it doesn't feel good and then I heard that clap and I like relieved it and then did he turn that's when I got <laughs> if you watch the fight I'm sitting there smiling as I got the choking because I knew it was over um it was just I mean like I said I been years years of work years of getting beat up not want to train but still coming in and training doing traveling traveling was a huge thing i traveled all the time to go train right. like an hour away for years and uh 
So just all that accumulated, and I was just like, finally, this is yeah. awesome. And hearing everybody just and having support of your yeah. I mean, like I said, I I had an amazing support system there. Yeah. Not even just training part, not even just family, not even just friends, just all of you. It right. was amazing, and uh, you know, I had a lot of people come up to me after that. That was sick. That was, was awesome. Amazing. It was amazing. And you don't that. hear that a lot when it comes to like the ground game. A lot of people like, oh, that's boring. He didn't fight. He just you know. Went to the ground, and when I watched the fight, I could see people wanting to say that because I didn't really, because he couldn't punch the face, so I didn't really hit him on the ground. But when I got the choke and I got the finish, because it looks so, it looks so good too the way that you did. Yeah. And like you said, he was a big lanky guy. For people to see you control him the way that you did when you took his back was impressive. And then to do to take him out the size that he was with one. It, yeah, it was just it was. Yeah, he probably had me by at least 15, 20 pounds. Yeah, he was like six was two, hundred ninety yeah. plus probably. I weighed one seventy seven, I think, yeah. that day. So it was amazing that when you grabbed him, he didn't want any. You could see he wanted nothing in for that. Bit. He yeah. allowed to do it there. The preparation. So, uh, how what, how much of a role did Matt Matt Seacor play in that? Matt has been great these past two years and everything. Not even just physically helping me or just mentally helping me. I mean, he has tried to give me opportunities. Just by teaching, he was gonna, you know, he could get me five jobs right now if he wanted to, if I ever needed it. He's willing to help me with anything that I ask him for. He has been absolutely amazing. Um, and it's funny because for the longest time, I didn't think Matt liked me. <laughs> I really didn't. Because um, I took when somebody would beat me up and like be real aggressive as they didn't like me. Like I just had that mindset. And I mean, when I first rolled with him, I thought he was going to break my arm, and it wasn't his fault. It was me. I was trying to fight him, and he was just like, I have this. Why aren't you tapping, kid? Like, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. And I just remember trying as hard as I could, and I felt my elbow like it felt like it shifted. Wow. He had me in an Americana and a shoulder lock, and it felt like my elbow was shifted. So I just, every time I trained with him, I'm like, man, this guy really doesn't like me. He's beating the crap out of me. <laughs> so being at his academy and being able to train with him all the time and having him just teach me everything that he has and being able to help me with anything. I mean, I could call him right now and be like, hey, I need you and he'd be right there. That's amazing. Anything. Yeah, he has helped leaps and bounds with my jiu-jitsu, but not even just jiu-jitsu. Just the personal. Yeah. The person who I am right yeah. now. The first thing we saw him rolling, and I just remember him, just he tapped Chris, like, I think... 50 times in like five minutes and he wasn't being he was preparing for something it was a fight or something so yep. you know how he rolls differently but he just looked so smooth his transitioning was so smooth his control and that was when i was the white belt like two months into it so i didn't know what he was doing but i, just, I know what a tap is and i know what looks good and what looks cool and yeah just his now knowing and looking back and seeing his, the way that he was balanced the way his weight distribution his base all of those things were just on a different level. You know? And they really are. It's just, it's on a different level. Even if you don't see it, when you feel it, it is unreal. It's unbelievable. It's and unreal. that's when they talk about that in the invisible jujitsu. Um, and and, and Matt, Matt does it. And that's, the thing is, too, is training underneath him, um, the conceptual aspect of it. You can take that to any gym you want and be able to defend yourself. Yeah. And in many cases, do more than defend yourself. But I was able to defend myself against a purple belt. When I was a blue, and it was I was done confidently because of the the concepts I walk around with, you know. I mean, I had gone to Colorado fairly. 
it was like a month or two after I got my purple belt. And, uh, I mean, I went in there and I held my own with everybody. And I went to like four different gyms. I didn't just go to one gym. I mean, there were legit people there. And, I mean, I just used everything that I was taught. And this is over a year ago. So, you know, this stuff works. It's not just because we're training with hundreds of people. And I'll tell you right now, not even just physically and mentally, but just as, as a whole. Right everything just comes together way better what do you think about the impact it's having on the ufc you're a big ufc guy oh yeah huge ufc guy i plan on being in the ufc all right that's that's the main goal ufc champion so you've been watching ufc longer than i have are you seeing jujitsu being applied more so oh absolutely i mean i think i think obviously when it first started hoist gracie and all that like people got really interested but then people like from a fan aspect, they want to see the knockouts. They want to see the exactly. slugfest, and exactly. they want to see that. So then, it kind of shifted to that, and now I think it's kind of going back towards jujitsu because, <clears throat> I honestly, I think the one that really made that happen was the Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor fight. I agree with you. I, I do think that was a huge step for jujitsu, and I I called it the second that happened. I'm like, well, jujitsu just got really popular again. And I start seeing a lot more submissions now. The it's, Donald Cerrone fight that just happened, that was a nice that was arm bar. That was tremendous. Nice arm. arm bar. Yeah. Broke his arm. That's what I mean. Like a, it's like you can be in this position, even in fighting, where you think, oh, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm smashing this guy and the next next thing you know, your arm's broke. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Yeah, I do I do think that it's kinda of coming back and that's why it's my main uh, martial art in MMA. Like I I'll always do jiu-jitsu, and I'll always do all of it, but I I practice jiu-jitsu more than anything else. Right. right. How, do you, how do you like I know striking aspects of stuff? I mean, I love what people like extremely about sometimes. And for me, if I'm not fighting you, I don't want to get any brain damage. You know, I've trained um, with quite a few people, and there have been really, really good guys that know how to handle striking better. They know how to... Um, take their time and really not try to hurt you but then there's guys that just want to knock oh, your head off and i'm yeah, just like i don't, I don't really care power. so with jujitsu it's like all you have to do is tap that's it you're done mm-hmm. and you can't really just be like oh time out i tap out with striking because otherwise you know they won't spar with you so you got to kind of just be like all right well i'm not gonna if you know that's how somebody is you can either just say nah i'm not gonna it's not because i'm scared of you it's not because i'd yeah, it's not that I dislike you or anything. I just don't like to train that way. It's true. It's definitely true. And I realize, and so now, I mean, you can't have one. You well, you can. I mean, if if I only had learned one, if I was only able to learn one martial arts, it would definitely be jujitsu because it's so well rounded. Um, but what I'm learning more so, and you're seeing more so, you can't just go into a mixed martial event, mixed martial arts event, and we saw that with boxing. You can't just have wrestling. You can't just have jujitsu. You have to have. You have to be exposed to all of them. Oh yeah. If you're in if you're in the UFC or Bellator, any actual like real real high level um, MMA pro MMA, right. um, you you need everything. So if you could, if you were out on the streets and you only had one martial arts, what would, what would you want it to be? Jujitsu. Why for not? sure? Punches, boxing, everybody. Fights. If I go, if if Matt Secor puts you on the ground and you don't know anything, you don't have a chance. You do not have a chance. And it, you know, some some people might not agree with that, but that's fine. I'm just saying it how it is. Yeah. Um, in boxing, everyone's got a puncher's chance. 
That's true. Um, you could be winning, winning, winning. All of a sudden, someone just catches you. you. Someone catches you. So, if someone's swinging really hard at me and I can take them down and get them to the ground, if I can just grab them, their chances are a lot less likely to win if they don't know anything. And I think a lot of people know that, and jujitsu is getting a lot more popular. So that's where it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'd like to know stand up a little more because everyone knows jujitsu now. It's true. But um, I have a lot of confidence in my jujitsu, and I have a lot of confidence in my verbal jujitsu, not just not getting into altercations. Right. Hey, you know, this guy might be having a bad day. I'm not going to fight him. I mean, if he touches me, it's, it's a different story. I would try to restrain him or her. Um, but if I don't have to fight, I don't, I don't want it's, it's a lose-lose. You don't win in a street fight. You really don't. Either one, you're probably going to get in trouble. Or two, you lose. Right. You get knocked out. You get hurt. So if anything like that ever happened, I'd probably just try to de-escalate the situation yeah. as quickly as you possibly could. Yeah. So in training for um, the fight, with jiu-jitsu, you can go 100%. But with, with striking, you can't. So how do you to spar guards just I mean. How is the like? Does it put you at a disadvantage? Why? Well, the only reason why I'm not gonna agree with you is because I don't ever feel like I go 100 percent with Good. jiu-jitsu, Good. and and I don't. I mean, I definitely feel like I go. I can go harder. I know what you're saying. I think I can go harder with jiu-jitsu than I can with boxing, because I'm not looking to knock somebody out. One exactly. of my training partners. Yeah, right. But I mean, I really don't know how to answer that, just because. I've trained really hard with boxing before, too. I understand. And, uh, like I said, I just don't like doing it. Right. And I think that, I guess the point that I was going towards is, like, with boxing, you can't be knocking somebody out every single sparring session. Yeah. You just can't because your hardware, like Conor McGregor says, there's their software and then your hardware, right? Yeah. Um, so you want to, when you're sparring, you're just working on, basically, you know, your technique, the software aspect of it. But when you start knocking people out, then you're damaging the hardware, yeah. and it's a wrap. Yeah. Um, but with jiu-jitsu, you can go as, as hard as you want in terms of throwing someone into, uh, not yanking or throwing, but when you're pulling onto an arm bar, you're trying to put close But think about how time. easy it is to hurt somebody. This is and, true. This I mean, true. accidents happen all the time in yeah. jiu-jitsu. I've accidentally hurt people. I obviously didn't mean to. Right. Um, you know, no one ever really means to, as far as the people I've been around, at least. Um, and... That, that stuff can happen at any time. It's true. You know, all it takes is two guys really strong, just in the second that guy lets go just a little bit, you rip his arm off. It's yeah, just yeah. that Thank you. So you can't. You're right. You don't go 100%. I can see that now because <laughs> there's be a lot more injuries in there. Me, I think I do. And I and, and, and I say this in this regards because you competed in competitions for jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So there's 100% in that regards is different than when you're on the Oh, track. yeah. Huge. So I guess when Huge. I say I'm going all out is that, you know, when I walk off that mat, sometimes rolling, especially after you, I got nothing left. I got nothing left. You know what I mean? But when you're in competition, I guess when you're going 100%, you're yanking, you're pulling, you're trying to do everything you want. We never do that in the gym. You never do that. So no. I see the 100% difference there. But, um, yeah, I just feel like the difference in the intensity would be able to... I think you can advance faster, faster in jujitsu because of that level of intensity that you can go versus boxing. But then again, I'm just afraid of boxing, so I'm just making up. Excuses. One thing that <laughs> well, one thing that I did to get my boxing better, or at least I think that that's helped me, at least as far as the conditioning aspect, yeah, is 
I'll try so hard to focus on the technique and the speed so that I'm still getting tired. I'm still right. without actually hitting somebody hard. Um, just knowing that if I took an extra half inch step that I would hit them and kind of pull my punch. That's how I started learning how to do it. Right. And, you know, there's certain guys where, you know, you will go a little harder. You know, you kind of know each other and stuff like that. Like, I've had battles with Matt. And, you know, to me, I get hit a few times. It doesn't, he's not trying to knock me out. Especially if they're, right. that's what I mean, me and not advance or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll move more so yeah. I still get tired and I'm still working hard. And that's kind of the way that I figured out how to put in hard training for boxing without hurting somebody or getting hurt myself. Yeah. But so, and they, we're talking about hard training here. And it's like every once in a while I'll pull up, I'm not on Facebook a lot, when I do jump on it, I'll see someone PRing and you'll, your name will be mentioned. Well, where are they training with you for that to be happening? So I've been at a gym called the Adirondack Nautilus for, I've been working out there for almost 14 years since I was 15. It's my uncle's gym. Mm -hmm. And I've been a trainer for 10. I started coaching a strength conditioning class. Uh, It'll be five years in February. I pretty much started jiu-jitsu and this class at the same time. Um, like I said, a lot of stuff happened. Good things happened when I started jiu-jitsu. Right. And, uh, it just inspired you to get into It did. Things, it inspired yeah. me. It gave me a lot of confidence in a lot of things that I was doing. So I had made that switch from just one-on-one training to group classes. And the one thing that I really liked about the group class that I wanted to do was I wanted to help more people. I wanted to not just help one person hour an hour i wanted to help 15 20 if i could and it's easier said than done you know everyone likes to tell me that i have an easy job and it's like it's 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 easy in the sense that i love what i do i don't ever feel like i work anytime if anything my work is my physical work my training um i love what i do i think i love the people when i come around uh born in their coach it's not just what you know it's how can you work with these people are they comfortable around you and i don't mean comfortable as and they're comfortable working out i mean are they comfortable with you because you could be the best coach on the planet but if that person doesn't like just isn't about you right. they're not going to perform as well at least in my opinion they're not going to perform, perform as well so i don't go around saying i'm the best coach i might be that person's best coach best option that's awesome um but just because you know more because you have a piece of paper that says hey you know, I went to school, and I'm not bashing anybody that, you know, I went to school. I have a piece of paper that says I'm a certified trainer, too. I have two of them. But <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't I don't ever brag about myself. I let, I brag about the people that I train. I brag yeah. about the, the, their their records that they get, their PRs and stuff like that. And I don't... I see our boy Eric Nichols just got a, a PR with a deadlift. Oh, man, he's in there. I mean, he's working extremely hard he'll go from my class right to jujitsu and i'm like how are you doing that your legs have to be <laughs> exhausted and he yeah. looked at me the other day and was like yeah dude my legs are smoked and you got me in here doing triangles <laughs> i was like hey. he's a machine though he loves it he's, he's in it and he's committed he's on i remember when he first messaged me back he's like well is it gonna work and i'm like well this is the type of training i do so you know i again you i might not be your cup of tea Right. You know, I'm not going to be everybody's best option. There might be somebody else. And there's a gym around every corner now. I think everybody's the work. I think every plus, you know, jiu -jitsu. if you right. move in, you stop exercising, you stop doing stuff. And I'm not saying you have to be in a gym, go hike, go snowboard. You know what I mean? You can always do something. Right. Instead of just sitting on a couch watching TV and, you know, 
stuff like that. And um, where'd you get that from? Well, that, that attitude, that approach about being up, moving, working out. Um, Your uncle, or if if I'm being honest, um, a huge part of the reason why I'm so into fitness is a TV show called Dragon Ball Z, and I know people laugh at that, and it just made such a huge impact when I was a little kid. It, it was uh, the main character was just such a good person, and. You know, it could be people call her a cartoon and it's this and that, but the message that it sent, he could have destroyed everybody. He could have destroyed planets, everything. And instead, he saved the world. He took it upon him to not be in the spotlight at all. He just trained his ass off and he was just a very good person. Like, just the way that he is in the show. If you've never watched it, I don't expect you to get it. But I do get it and I watch it and yeah. But I totally, I totally honestly, like I'm like I want to be like that. And he was always I, getting better. He was always yeah, training. always getting better. Always had a good attitude. Yeah. People could he would see the good in people. People every if you think about it, every single bad guy, every villain that's pretty much been in that show, ends up turning into a good guy because of him. And I like to do that. I like to do the same thing. Like people that don't like me, you can ask a lot of people. Look, first meet. <laughs> no, you <they're> <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's just my face, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's true. Because I, I remember the first time I, I was in class and you walked in, I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, and I get that. I've gotten it my whole and life. Then after we rolled, I'm like, dude, that guy's the nicest guy I've ever met. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I try, I try to always be positive and yeah. be nice, and it, it actually came you walk from that show. So serious and so. Focused. I know. I look, I look serious, yeah, but I'm really like <laughs> the things that go through my head are the total opposite. Ask my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm the biggest goon ever, and I'm always joking around. I'm always trying to have fun and stay positive. I love to motivate people. I love it. You do. You do it such a good I love when when some – I had a woman that I was um, uh, working with the other day, and she had a huge goal on her back squat, and the excitement that she had when she got done made my day. I was like, okay, today was a good day. You know, I could have had a crappy day, and the second I saw that excitement and that – how proud she was. How do you keep her motivated? It's hard. It's hard to keep people motivated. That's one huge thing that I've learned. It's very hard to keep people motivated if they're not. It doesn't matter what you say sometimes. So just life gets in the way. People are working extremely hard. People have kids. People just, you know, weather changing. How you stuff. don't let those things get in your way? I think because I make a bond with a lot of people. Like, I really care about the people that I train. I care a lot of people that people train with me all the time. You just text me, call me, and I'm there for them. And I think that keeps them motivated even when they're not. I'll be like, hey, where you been? You know, it's been a couple of days. Like, you need to be in there. You need to do something. And some people are like, oh, you know, I'm still you know working out, and that's fine. I'm not saying you have to be in my class specifically, but keep doing something. You know, don't give up. Look right. how far you've come already. Why would you give up now for? That's how I think. That's true. If I gave up tomorrow... What was all the, the, you know, ass kicking for all the beating up days where I couldn't move, I couldn't walk, I couldn't lift my arms over my head. What was that for? Nothing. So I just keep pushing forward and I try to use that to push other people. Like I said, I love doing it. You remember your first Spartan race? My first Spartan race. I think, uh, I don't remember a lot of it. I remember who I went with. Um, there was eight of us total, and I was. As difficult as it looks, I mean, it just looks grueling. The one that we did wasn't the first one that I did wasn't hard. I've done ones that like put me out for like a week because I was so tired and so sore and stuff. But the first one I ever did, 
I had no desire really to do it. It was also for like a charity thing. Um, and we had done like a car wash and everything beforehand to raise money and stuff for the wounded warrior project. <clears throat> and, uh, I was like, you know, we can all just stay back with each other. We don't have to go extremely fast or anything. You know, I'm, I know I'm in good shape and it was hard. The obstacles were fun. It wasn't extremely difficult as far as, uh, the speed we were going at easy and qualify for the trifecta. And I'm like, what's the trifecta? And it's like, well, you get like three different parts. Like the, you have a third of it and there's two other parts. I'm like, well, I started something I can't. Oh man, that's, I have to finish that's it now. It's really marketing on their part. It really is. It's really good marketing on their part. And uh, I was like, I guess I'm going to have to do the other two. So I did what's called a Killington Beast. And it's about anywhere from 14 to 18 miles. They change it every year. Um, 14 to 18 miles of just going up and down, up and down. And uh, it just destroyed me. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done physically. And it took about seven hours. And I just remember being like, I'm never doing that again. But because it's, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I never want to do this again. But I, the noise that it had made in my gym, like they saw what we did. We went from eight people to over 30 people doing it the next year with us. And when I saw that many people, that interest, and it brought my community at my gym, you know, everyone wanted to do it. Everyone was like, oh, I can't wait to do the next one. I can't wait to do the next one. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing it again. Wow. And, uh, it so just I, kept on doing it, doing I just it. kept going and they're, they're fun. They're a lot of money and it's a lot of time. I've, I've had to deal with, uh, some stuff when it comes to those races, right. you know, money wise and stuff, but in all in all, it's brought me closer to different, different things. I'd say at least 300 times were some of those races I wanted to give up and I just kept moving. There was times where I couldn't even walk, like I would fall down or I was super dehydrated and I would just be like, no, nah, you're not giving up. There's no point in giving up. You're this That's far, amazing. just keep going. Yeah, and the thing with that type of mentality, when you step into a ring and apply it to another human being, it's... Exactly. Exactly. You know I mean? I've, I've, I think I feel that I have tried to work my mental strength more than I have my physical strength in the past year i'd say i really started being like i don't know how much physically stronger i can get that's true <laughs> at my size unless i gained a lot of weight and i'm like it's just gotta be like learning proper technique and being very mentally strong saying i'm not giving up until it is the last option like when someone puts me in a submission i will go until i'm done like it's not 90 percent, it's 100 percent. like there's no getting out of it i'm about right. to go out about to get my arm snapped, and I will go till that last second. This is amazing. And I think it's funny to hear that you're just, you're, you mentioned that weight 170. In 2008, you weighed 220 pounds, right? Yep. I saw that picture on your Yeah. Oh, when I was a teenager, I was huge. I was like a 220, 25-pound kid, just powerlifting. No, wow. I mean, no cardio. I couldn't run me to you without <laughs> getting cast out. I really couldn't. I, was ex I, I had no cardio. I had no conditioning. So you started stripping off some of that weight when, like, when did you really start shredding that? So the f funny, I can still remember this. The first event fight I ever was an absolute war, and I remember being like, "Holy crap! I want to do that. I want to hear those, you know, fans cheering, and I want to really, like, I really would like to try that." But there was nothing around. Now, um, at the time, you know, we're going ten years ago. There really wasn't anything. I didn't really know 
I wasn't able to travel. I didn't have a car at the time. I just had my uh, mom's vehicle that I could only do so much with. So I couldn't go train down in Malta back then. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going to do this stuff. So I started just training, like working out differently. I started saying, eh, being that big is probably not going to be, I have no cardio. So I started training differently. I started just doing lighter weight, stuff like that. And I got down to about 200 pounds, I'd say. And that's when I first stepped into an MMA gym. That was probably about 200 pounds. And I got messed up badly being 200 pounds and I was like okay well it doesn't matter how big I am so yeah. I got down to a natural weight for me which is about 185 that's what I walk around at sometimes a little do heavier feel, but do you feel you don't look 185 that's the thing because you're, 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 your height and your frame it's mm-hmm. amazing but you feel better walking around that right oh yeah if I weigh 200 pounds I would feel very slow my cardio would be off um anywhere between like 183 and 188 is perfect for me mm. I feel very good at those weights and i've pretty much been there for years i really haven't changed that much weight they say uh martial arts is a vehicle to personal development and just listening to uh, as you talk is i'm that serious about me i think because mainly the people that you meet um so you're, you're all working towards one purpose and as you're working there and you're interacting with these different people you're looking side to side you're seeing the, how dedicated they are you're seeing how determined they are you're seeing how um, devoted they are, and they support you. You know what I mean? Like, you, if I'm not like, if I haven't shown up in a while, you hit me up, hey, what's going on? You know, you try to get me back in it. Like you said, you, even with the people that you train, you'll hit them up to see how they're doing yeah. as good training partners. But um, I think it's a vehicle because also, in order for you to be training martial arts, you have to have that personal discipline as well. You know, and once you start to develop discipline, other things start to begin to show up at least that's what it means for me what about for you i would say the two biggest things as far as that goes for me was the respect that i gained for people i was just the whole thing that that i got out of this the respect level i don't care if you were a 70 pound 16 year old if you came into a gym that you didn't know anybody you didn't know anything and you kept coming you kept coming you kept coming the respect is amazing and that doesn't go just for jujitsu or for boxing it goes for any thing when you're willing to just grind and just do it the respect that i have and i think it comes back to confidence too respect and confidence makes made my mentality change a lot and discipline as well like you just said the discipline that i saw people had the discipline that i had to get it really helped me to help as a person right. that taught me been taught by a world-class jiu-jitsu practitioner, a very high-level fighter. Um, when I got, when I was doing the powerlifting, I was taught from a guy that has like New York State records to this day, and this was, you know, 30 years ago that he had these, and he still got records. Right. Um, when I did CrossFit, I was with one of the more knowledgeable guys that I've ever been in the fitness industry with. I've always been taught, and I'm always willing to listen to. I don't care if I feel like I know more than you. Or not like for more you know experienced than you or whatever i'll still listen because you might be able to teach me something right i'm never true. like i'm never like oh well pff, i know more than you so i'm not gonna listen to you how much has honesty played in your role of development because i know there's a lot of people out there they they'll start <clears> doing <throat> a diet prime example they'll start doing a diet and they'll, they won't do the diet right but they'll sit there and they'll blame the diet left and right or somebody that's in the gym and 
they'll instead of working on their triangle like me because they have a terrible triangle they just avoid it all together and just do other things but how much of being honest with what your weakness is and what you need to focus on and what you need to work on is it have, has how's been like that well that's what i had to do with myself the second i got tapped out the first time ever i had to be honest with myself i said okay well it doesn't matter how strong i am i have to change something because this isn't going to work and the more and more i went the more and more i had to realize that because when you're that strong because like i said i was a power lifter so i was a lot probably physically more strong than i am right now right um i just didn't know what i was doing so if i was you still gonna have to make some major changes otherwise it's not gonna happen you got to lose the ego i mean everyone needs an ego there's nothing wrong with having ego, but I needed to lose that to an extent to really grow. Right. Um, and the, the one thing that I tell people when it comes to like diet and all that, because people ask me all the time, what do you do for diet? What do you do for diet? I go, I just keep it real with myself. I say, okay, well, I ate really crappy today, so I'm going to need to do something different. Um, you know, I, I get weak with my diet more than anything. And when people complain to me that, Oh, so and so just lost, you know, ten pounds. Why haven't I lost any weight? I'm like, well, you gotta look at it this way from my perspective. I'm with you for one hour a day. Say you come even six times a week, because I have six days that I teach my class. I go, even if you come six times a week, I see you for six hours a week. What are you doing with your life the other twenty three hours of the day? Are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you staying active outside of this? Are you doing more? Or are you just doing the bare minimum? Because if you're just doing the bare minimum, just for one hour a day, but you want maximum results, it's probably not going to happen. And I know that's hard pill. That's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. And uh, I actually said the same thing to Deja. Today, Deja asked me, you know, um, if I did a class more and stuff, like I need to get stronger. I'm like, okay, well... What are you doing to get stronger? Like I can work with you for an hour a day, but what are you yeah. doing the other twenty three hours? She said you, she yeah. eat very well. Important. It doesn't. I would say yeah. recovery is, is is almost half the battle when it comes to um, muscle eight, building is, and stuff is eight like hours that. Hours of sleep too much is it over an over exaggeration. I think it comes down to the person. Just in my opinion, like there's times where I feel like I need eight hours, and there's times where I feel like four or five is just fine for me, mm-hmm. and I can function and work out all day. Um, I think it comes down to the day for some people. How much did they do that day? Was it a nice, calm, relaxing evening? Or were you out going, 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 going? And do you need that rest? I think you just got to listen to your body. If your body like, I'm tired, go to bed and stay in bed for a little bit longer. You normally would just stay in bed. Right. But if, you know, and I get it, when you have children, that's not always an option. If you have a job or two or three jobs, that's not always an option. But you got to really try to listen to your body the best that you can. And that's what I do. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to work out today. People are like, oh, you must work out every day, all day. I was like, well, yeah, sometimes. But when my body's like, no, don't, I won't. You just, yeah. So you're excited with the, where the, because I'm going back to um, jujitsu and the UFC, but you excited with where the UFC is right now with these, some of these fighters? I go back and forth all the time. I'm like, you know, it seems like UFC is doing really well. And then all of a sudden I'm like, man, is this the route that I really want to go? Like, I know deep down it is because this is, I mean, it's all I think about. Everything I do is pretty much based around trying to become a safe fighting. 
amateur versus someone that's going professional what's in terms of level of training dedication because i'm still an amateur i really don't have that answer okay um i would say from what i've seen with matt but like matt it's just that is your primary focus i think an amateur it's like a hobby yeah it's like oh you know you'll you'll train once in a while and stuff like that and you know you're, you're pretty good but when you're pro it's like you better you know you better do your you put in your work you better you better be watching tape you better be doing things that these amateurs aren't doing because otherwise someone else is going to and they're going to beat you and then you're not going to get very far and i think the more serious you take it the more you're focused on it yeah. the further you'll get and like i said a lot of what i do like i throughout the day i'll be like you know, if I do this, is it going to help? No, probably not. I'm probably not going to do it then. Is this going to help? And, I, and I, you know, you have to find balance with a lot of stuff. You have to say, all right, well, I'll, I'll have a nice relaxing date night with a girlfriend. Or, you know, uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty beat up. I'll take a day off. It's not a huge deal. Sometimes you have to say, nope, sorry, can't, no date night tonight. Nope, sorry, I'm sore, but I'm still going to do it anyway. And Sometimes that's what it takes, that extra one workout, that one extra night that you didn't want to be there. Right. And I think that's what really makes um, amateur to pro. What would it mean to bet to you to have your hand raised in the UFC? I, I, I'd start balling like a little baby. I, I already tell you that. Very, <laughs> I know what's happening. I know I will die trying. I don't care if I'm 40. By the time it happens, I will get in there. I will give everything I have to get into that. Um, Found that it. Yeah. Establishment. Huh? Well, the thing, so for example, I was thinking about Conor McGregor and his fall from greatness with his his last matchup with Khabib. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. What do you think about that finish with Khabib? See, you said his fall from greatness. I think about how, like, as far as like a casual fan that really mm-hmm. just kind of watches it. Think about how much money that dude's making. It no, you're right. You're as far right. as financially, he yeah. isn't falling anywhere. He, he is still rising. He hasn't. In and the eyes of rankings, yeah, he's fallen most a little bit. Um, and I don't even think he's in it for the rankings. I think I don't. Yeah, I think I don't think he's in it for two things. I don't think he's in it for the money anymore because that's done. He's got the money, right? Um, I don't think he's in it for the rankings because he's kind of proved that that's kind of BS. Yeah. Well, I think the UFC kind of proved it. They proved that. Yeah. But what I think, I I feel like he fell from greatness is because he was deemed as unstoppable at one point. Like, no one could touch him. You're getting slapped. He was the best striker in the game, hands down. Um, And if you fought Conor McGregor, the pressure would just break you. Khabib has has put a real depth in that armor. So he doesn't have that that same um, what do you call it, invincibility that Ronda Rousey used to have. So I think that right there was his fall from greatness in that regards because everyone everyone wanted to see this guy that last the ten rounds went to sleep. Greatest out the window in the world. Well, I mean, it's still there. If he hits you. You're right because everyone he, wants to see it. You're right. Yeah, if people start sleeping on him and being like, "Oh, he isn't that scary." He if he hits you with that left hand, it's gonna be he a different story. Out. And I think Nate Diaz is the one that really showed people. You get him to the ground, he's he's good. He's not bad at, you know, everyone's like, oh, he sucks on the ground. I was like, okay, well, you go in there against a top-level grappler yeah, like that and see how you, you do. It's not going to be easy. His, you know, his bread and butter is definitely a stand-up. Yeah. So how but, do you think his stand-up's going to do against Daniel Cerrone? Well, if they fight, no. I don't know. It's very intriguing to it's me. I was listening to a lot of videos on that this morning. And and, and uh, Cerrone Cowboy, that's called, called they call him Cowboy Cerrone. He has a ground game. He does, and I mean, 
uh, I think it was, I don't remember who it was that said it, but on any given day, that man could be anybody in the world. He's He's lost some, and you know what? That man fights more than anyone in the UFC does. does. He fights, he doesn't care. He doesn't do it for the money. He does it for the thrill, which I love. I think that's awesome. It's not my reason, but it's, you know. Yeah. I mean, he does what he loves to do, too. He's a very um, extreme person. And when they're saying that that might happen, I was like. That would be an interesting fight. Yeah, because both of them, like, that's going to be a big fight for both of them. Because if Connor were to lose, that's when, like, it's like, like, oh, well, he's just. Yeah, I'm thinking. And, and, uh, what about the? Do you think it's more of an interesting fight than Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg? See, I've I've watched Chris Cyborg for a very long time, and I think that woman is something spectacular. I don't see Nunes doing very much against her. I don't think Amanda Nunes is bad by any means. I just see Cyborg walking through her. I just think that Amanda Nunes' hands are just. They might be a little more crisp. They might be a little more technical. But I think if Cyborg grabs her or hits her, Nunes is going to be like, oh, shit, this is not good. That's true. And that's just my opinion. I haven't haven't watched as much as Amanda Nunes as I have Cyborg because I followed Cyborg when I first heard about her. I went and watched a lot of video. I mean, she would maul people, absolutely maul them. And the physique she's got on her, I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know. I, I can see that going either way, but I would, I, I, you put your money on, I would, if I had to put money on, I would put it on Cyborg. The for sure. I put it on there. I put it on there too. Where'd you put your, where would you put your money on Ben Aspen versus Khabib? <laughs> <laughs> where would you put your money there? That is the one fight. I, like if you had to tell, ask me right now, which fight, I, it's that one. I would love to see that. I gotta go with Khabib, and I know a lot of people are probably gonna argue, but he is twenty-seven and zero, has only lost. I think we lost one round against Connor. Yeah, and that was a questionable round. Yeah, that was still a close round. Probably. Yeah. And he's yeah. Askren, high, high-level, top-notch wrestler. Um, I would say his wrestling probably is a little better than Khabib's, and he's a bigger, stronger guy. But I just, I think with the experience difference, Khabib's yeah. been fighting. Aspirin hasn't been. Just in my opinion, I think that it would be a very tough. It depends. If they fought at 170, you gotta understand. That's Habib serious. doesn't have to. Habib doesn't have to cut weight. He's not gonna be dehydrated at all. He's not gonna be weak. If they go to 155, who knows how strong Aspirin will be at 155? And if they and if they do, if they do like the 165, you know, he still doesn't have to cut that extra 10 pounds that will dehydrate him. So he might be different level type strong, too, because he's not a small 155er. He barely makes that. So that is one fight I'd love to see. There's some good fights. There's some good fights there. Probably. You saw the um, the Yari um, versus. Um, oh my god! I actually Elbow. didn't see it like the night of the fight, but I keep up on like oh, if I know like if I have plans and I can't watch it. I'll just watch my phone all night and, like, yeah. to see what <laughs> yeah, happens. Yeah, that's right. And the second I saw what happened, I was... My, One second left on the clock, he hit him with that elbow. And it didn't look like the elbow even, like, landed. Oh, I thought it was a headbutt. Yeah. It, was a headbutt. it honestly doesn't look like anything really hit that yeah. hard. It looked like it tapped him and he just went down. But with the momentum of him coming forward... That's exactly right, yeah. I mean, I was... Yari said that he... Everything he was trying to do that that whole thing, like, what got him about the just perfect speed. He leaned forward just enough, and the momentum and where the elbow was, it was perfect. Yeah, 
I mean, you oh, couldn't get you couldn't get back. more of a knockout than that no either. That was the most. He was unconscious. That was the most <laughs> devastating elbow I'd ever seen in my life. And the crazy part is, if you watch this, the replay, you can actually see when Yari peeks back to see where his face is yeah. and then throws it. So yeah. it wasn't just he was leaning over and throwing. Yeah, it wasn't just luck. He, he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh, I was like, of course I missed it because I kept seeing like people tweeting. Uh, Oh my God! It's like the best fight ever, yeah. fight of the year. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm missing it. What do you think about it? Um, Stylebender. See, I haven't watched a whole lot of him either, but for what I have Man. seen, he is he's, he's nice up there. <laughs> I didn't realize how good of a kickboxer he was. He's like undefeated, yeah. like fifty, you know, or something like that. Or is, I don't, he's I don't know. He's up level. there, and I was like, oh wow. So they're saying arguably. And I think it's still it's still with, with Conor McGregor. He, he's gonna he's the best striker in the game right now. He's got that, like, it's almost like have you ever watched MVP like Lennon Page? Yeah. Um, oh, it, that's a good point. It, it's like him. Wow, that's a good point. But with more Anderson Silva than MVP, that's so he's because MVP gets a little like more cocky with it, and so did Anderson. But Anderson's cockiness was just different. It was yeah. his his was more just like. I'm going to beat you. Like, he likes to, I mean, really? he likes to go out and have, I think, yeah. he likes to do just a little bit of both. Like, and it's their his style. own style, too. That's yeah, it is his own it. style. He's not trying to force it. He's not he looks it. so good. Against Tyson Brunson? Yeah, I, I actually watched a few different fights of his yeah. after that, and yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, he, he is flawless. really good. I even watched some of his kickboxing. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. The question mark kick that he throws. Yeah. Is, I don't even know how you're going to be able to read that real time. Yeah. You know? And he's a young up and coming guy oh, too, so I'm like, oh, well, it's a good thing I'm not fighting at 185. I think, I think Dan is going to do him, bring him up. He said it. He goes, I want to bring him up slow. Because mm-hmm. the thing with I feel with the UFC, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, is that they love, I think they favor their strikers because strikers fill the seats. And I know with um, Northcutt, they kind of brought him up a little, they threw him, I think, to the wolves a little bit there. Um, but there's, he said, I'm going to bring Stylebender up a little bit differently. But do you think that? Do you think that when they start seeing like, uh, who is that? When they have a good striker, they just kind of push him up to the ranks as quick. I definitely as think can. when you're getting those knockouts, then absolutely. Of course, because it's going to seats. Yeah, compared to someone going to a decision every single time, and yeah. you leave with a mark on your face, like neither one of you do, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, well. All right, fans don't want to see that. No. And as much as I love martial arts, I don't even care to see stuff like that. Where right. I'm like, how did you just get out of a three-round fight and it doesn't even look like you did anything? Exactly. Um, you know, that that's always like, I'm like, if I'm going to be in a three-round fight, I'm going to I'm gonna be, be exhausted. Old. Yeah. But I'm going to be able to stand up because I'm going to go for my boat. And I haven't actually been in that position yet. So, but just from what I would think I would do, that's what I feel like. I feel like if I heard that, you know, got into that third round and I'm like, I don't know who's going to win this. I'm not going to just kind of move around a little bit and smile at the end. I'm going to go in there and try everything I can. If it ends up going to a decision, then it does. But at least knowing that I gave everything I had. Right, 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 right. You know what? I'm happy that I studied jiu-jitsu because you were saying the boring fights. And there are. You don't like grappling. It does if you don't know what's going on on the ground. But because of jiu-jitsu... I don't really see that many boring aspects in fights. No, I don't and, either. Yeah, and I, if you guys are out there watching and you're thinking, what's another reason to get into jiu-jitsu and you're a UFC fan? It's because it gives you... You just understand. Deeper, yeah, it gives you a much deeper dive into what's actually going on on the screen, why this person why this person's holding him in that particular position, and then it gives you a higher appreciation for it because you realize 
like when I was watching you do um, the one arm or naked, like I appreciate that because I know how difficult it is to choke somebody out with one arm. Yeah. You know, and to do that with the stress of being in the in an actual fight, your adrenaline's pumping, to have the presence of mind to nail the technique down the way that you do it, to see you do it, it's amazing. Because I train, I know what that pressure felt like. I know what that kid felt like, and I knew what he was going to tap. But also to see it in the UFC and see, okay, oh, I can't even believe he made that transition. Like, do you remember when um, uh, was Demetrius Johnson threw that guy up in the air? Oh, yeah. How amazing yeah, was that? It was, yeah. it was amazing to see it as a, just an everyday person watching that event. Flaws would be of that type of tissue environment to that type of degree of um, difficulty and nail it. The stuff that guy did at the level... At the level that they're at is unreal. It's unbelievable. It's he just unbelievable. he is so underappreciated. It's, it's insane. Yeah. This sucks that he's not gonna be in the UFC anymore. It does, and I I question it. I, I remember bringing it up on the, one of the podcasts I did with Steve. Is I don't know if Ben Askren is is gonna be the right. Was a fair trade, and the only reason I say that is because I I know that he comes with all these accolades of um, being a good wrestler, being really really high level jujitsu. But Demetrius Johnson was so much more than that. I loved watching him. I I've loved, watched almost every single fight he's yeah. had. It's, I uh, maybe I think know. it's because they are trying to get rid of the 125 pound decision. So if you don't have if if Henry Cejudo is going to come to 135 and Demetrius is gone, then yeah, who cares if the 125 like that's what their thought process I'm sure is. Right. So I mean, but now they're saying that they're going to do. Uh, Henry Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw at 125. Yeah, TJ Dillashaw saying he's going to out-wrestle uh, Henry. And I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I, I just think I think TJ is, uh, is a different beast. See, I wasn't I wasn't team uh, TJ for a long time, but man, after those either. those uh, Cody Garbrandt fights. You, he, he won me over. Yeah, he did. Because He really did. <laughs> yeah, because he showed up. Grant, he got put in some bad he did. spots. Both he died one time. Both forty. Then to find him a second time, and it looked like TJ was just like, "All right, let's do this." But mm-hmm. after the time was done, I don't want any questions whatsoever. When you beat somebody pretty much the same exact way two times in a row, no you have nothing to prove. There's no you have nothing. Yeah, you have nothing yeah. else to prove. So now that we're talking about the UFC, what do you think about um, Conor McGregor possibly getting an immediate rematch with Khabib, but them not giving immediate immediate rematch to uh, Stipe? for to fighting Chromia. Uh, I think and it comes down to it's just about money yeah. and the Brock Lesnar fight obviously is going to make a lot more money. Way more money. If it came down to rankings if it came down to like what's actually right they would give Stipe. He just beat the record. He did. You know? He smoked and that's still a really good fight. It's still going to get a lot of people interested. It might not make as much money but Brock can come after. You know? Sure. Say say Stipe wins it can be Stipe and Brock. You know, Brock's the main attraction when it comes to that fight. It's not necessarily uh, DC or Stipe. It's people want to see Brock because he gets the people from the WWE mm-hmm. to come over and watch too. So regardless of who won Stipe and DC, if it's against Brock, it's still going to bring in a lot of money. True. Um, but that's why they're doing it. With If they give um, Connor a fight, it's just because it makes money because he makes the money. He does. And he calls us. He jokes about it, but he does call. It does seem like he is calling the shots. I mean, he he gets his way. I wouldn't he say he necessarily calling the shots, but he gets his way for sure. At least that's what it seems like. Well, when you fill in the seat, when you fill in the seats the way that he fills it, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, when you have the following he has, you really can't. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> you can't. I mean, it was, it's a fairly new hobby that I've taken on, and I got hurt pretty bad last year doing it. But it, I've never felt, besides this MMA fight that I just had, I've never felt like so free and so like energized. The first time I snowboarded was 2017, and uh, no, yeah, beginning of 2017, and uh, <laughs> I did so bad. I. Uh, I fell a hundred times before I made it down the mountain. I easily, but I had that same mentality. I ain't giving up. Wow. I had, I had my friends being like, you want to just call it a day? Nope. <laughs> nope. People call it stubborn. I call it just, I'm just not giving up. I'm, I'm going to progress. I'm going to get better at this. It's something I want, I've wanted to try and I finally am out here. I'm just going to do it. So I even had people that worked there that were like, Hey, do you need help? <laughs> do you want to just get like escorted down? Nope. I'm going to sit here and stew about it for a few minutes. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep going. And after the first time, they're like, do you want to go back up? I'm like, yep, sure do. And I fell a bunch of times and I got down a little faster. And I said, you know what? You guys can go without me. Don't waste your whole day here with me sitting here pretty much. So by like the fourth time, I actually like started to catch on with some stuff. It was more just what's called a falling leaf. Like it was just a very basic way of staying up and i stayed up and i just falling leaf you said yeah falling leaf he's like the sweat to do it probably but it, works. it keeps you it just keeps you on the board without falling pretty much so i did that and i was like oh wow i know how to snowboard now they're like no that's not how you <laughs> like we're gonna have to actually still teach you how to snowboard that was just the way to keep you on the board so i'm like all right well i'll have to come do it again someday because that it took me like four hours just to just go down four times pretty much and uh, for like three hours, it took me a long time. So I went back and I did the falling leaf the whole time. And I was like, I'm just gonna get good at this. Just one little step better, just just to get a little bit better. And then by the end of the season in 2017, I did uh, I did pretty good. I actually really enjoyed it, and I started being able to move pretty good. You got like your blue belt. Yeah. Pretty much, if you want to think of it like that, I went from at least at least got a couple stripes on my white belt, <laughs> <laughs> and then I he's my buddy was like, oh, you know, you should try to go really fast. You know, I I have this app, it'll clock your speed. So I was like, all right. I was like, what do you think I should try to go for? And he's like, I don't know, try thirty miles an hour. Oh my God. And I'm like, I feel like I'm going that fast. Or he's like, no, you're going like ten, dude. <laughs> 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 when you're out there, it feels like you're going wicked fast. So I'm like. All right. I was like, I'll just go as fast as I can. So I literally just put the board flat, and it was really nice, you know, snow, but it was sticky. It was kind of wet. So I'm going in the board. I mean, I so hard on my neck. I'm like, I felt like that warm, numb feeling, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm paralyzed. I'm like, I I did it for that split second. I'm like, I I just paralyzed myself, and I started, like, moving my fingers and hands. I'm like, all right, never mind. No, I'm not. I'm all right. And the adrenaline started pumping, so I didn't really feel it. So I was like, yeah, we should probably go get some food. So we go get food, and uh, he's like, are you done? I'm like, like, I'm sitting there, like, my neck's, like, all, like, the wrong way. And I'm like, we can keep going, because we were only there for, like, an hour. So I was like, no, we can keep going. So we go out, and this little girl runs out in front of me, and I, I just had to stop real quick, and I put my hand out, and I it felt like someone shot me. I was like, oh, man, my whole body just went, like, completely numb again. I'm like, yeah, I think I messed something up pretty bad. And uh, so 
What makes you? I don't know. I, I, something about my SC joint is like near my collarbone and oh, neck area wow. and stuff. And that hurt for about a month. <laughs> I couldn't do very much for about a month. Beginning of the year, that was not fun. The beginning of 2017, so that wasn't fun. But 2018 has been a good year, so I can't really <laughs> complain. Yeah, <clears throat> for some of us, <laughs> it's been a good year. So, what makes you climb after some kind of injury like that? Why are you going back this year? Like I just said about Don, Don Cerrone, I just love that thrill. I love like making me feel alive. Uh, yeah, and I do that with every film I'm tired. And I go to sleep. I'm not big on sitting there watching TV for hours. I'm not big on like just doing nothing all day. Like if I have a day off, I'm out doing something. Whether it's just cleaning my house, whether right. it's just doing something with somebody, but I still like doing something. I don't like just sitting around. You know, I'll be out there doing stuff in the water i'll be out there snowboarding i'll, I'll you go. know we're not we're gonna wrap this up but we're not gonna wrap it up until we talk about your dog <laughs> boss <laughs> that's one of the coolest dogs i've ever seen it's funny because when i first got him it was me and my ex and he favored her a lot more when it, when we were together and he, like if we fought about something it was about him because she would be like don't be mad at him or don't tell him no. And she would say yes. And I would say no. And yes. No. So he would just be like, he would just be like, all right. So he was always diva uh, about it. And I was like, man, this dog just doesn't listen to me. And when we had split up, um, I ended up with him because he was really like, I got him. She yeah. had her dog. So I got him. I kept him and she took her dog. And ever since we've been just me and him, I mean, the change uh, he's with me all day he's an amazing dog I'm he'd be with he'd be with me he right now yeah but, you know, my mom you took to him. The gym. he's with me at jujitsu he's with me at my main gym he's with me still when i go to my job doing car he loves helping the car all day he like hates being left alone but now that's been just me and him the level of intelligence that that dog has is he's almost too smart for his own good yeah People that a, don't own dogs or don't have connections with pets, I think they're missing out because oh, yeah. they don't realize that these these dogs and these cats and they get people on a different level. And if you're mm-hmm. close to them and you make that connection, yeah. you get them on a different level. Yeah, you really you know? do. I can't tell you. You can how understand many everything that they're going through. Exactly. You can. The parents will say, and I'm not comparing kids to or children to dogs or pets, but children parents will say that they know when their kid, their infant, is making certain sounds, whether it's hungry, it's tired, mm-hmm. it's just making. Dogs are the same exact way. Yes, yep. I can tell you when I had my um, hunter, is the best example, is I could stay inside my room in this office right here and then outside with that my office door closed and he could be out in the, um, the patio and by his barks or by his whines, I could know if it's a, mm-hmm. a person walking by, if it's a squirrel walking by, if a car is driving by. It's just like they talk to you. Yeah, and sometimes boss will just give me a look and I know what he wants. Isn't that insane? It is. And it, he's so smart. If I say one word and that's what he wants, he makes he makes it known that's what exactly what he wants. And like I said, he has completely changed the way that he was when it was just, like, it was all of us together. The dynamic of the past. To just me and him. Yeah. Like, when people used to say, oh, man's best friend, I'm like, yeah, okay, he's a dog. And, well, that's that's 100% true. That it dog, that dog, me and him were alone for, like, six months. Um before I got with the 
with my girlfriend now, and, and yeah, gotcha, and yep. kept your companionship. Yep. I, went, I dealt with the same thing. Yeah. No judgment. No, Absolutely not. You know, he just <laughs> like, if he, if he knew I was upset or sad or didn't feel good or whatever, he was right there. And just, it's crazy. Like I can mess with. Like, he listens so well. I don't. That's what I wanted to know. How did you train him to be? I don't know so because, because for a long time he didn't listen very well. He just started listening. Like he knew. Like okay, it's me and me and dad, and. You know, he treats me well, so I'm going to do what he asked, pretty much, you know. Um, so how much time do you spend just going out, hiking and nature walks and stuff like that with him? In the summer, All almost. The any free that time dog, that I have. Every time I see you, there's, I can, I know within 10 feet or something yeah. he's around. Yeah, like I said, he <laughs> would be with me tonight, but he went with my mom. Yeah, um, and he's such a well-behaved dog, that's the thing. Yeah, he would just sit here. Yeah, he'd just sit. Especially if I'm right here, he'll just sit here. Um yeah, he, I really don't know what changed him, but I, I would have to guess if it was that. It was just he realized, like, I was that one person that stayed in his life. And I've always treated him very well. He, he a gets lot a lot of food, a lot of love. He gets to go out and do stuff all the time. He's never alone. He's never, <laughs> like, going without something. He's still a total diva. But Did you think that he would turn into that? Like, no. you'd be talking about him the way you are talking no. about him? No, because he was such a pain. And it's not like, you know, he's almost six, so it's not like he was like, oh, well, for the first year. It's like, for the first four years, he, mean, destroyed my ears, my beds, wow. my floors. Um, and that was more just being left alone, getting the garbage stuff. But now, like I said, I'm, he's with me all the time. And he knows instantly if, like, if we want to play, if I want to play with him, and he wants to play, we'll play. The second I'm done, he's done. Like, <laughs> he'll... He can, he can shut it on. He can shut it off very easily. And, uh, you know, when he knows I'm serious, like, go lay down. Like, don't get in people's way at the gym. Because when no one's doing anything, he can kind of run around and mess around and stuff. And actually, like, now with jujitsu, like, when I first started bringing him, he's like, I don't understand why I'm not allowed on the mat with you. And now, like, today he was there this morning and completely fine. He just yeah. lays there. He gets it now. You know, he gets that he's not supposed to be on there because I never let him. Even when I'm, like, walking inside with him, if he gets close to the mat, I pull him away from it. So he, knows. so he knows he can't be on the mat. He understands it. Like I said, he's a ridiculously smart dog. One thing I miss in my mind with boys when I would wake up, if I needed, if I got up early and I wanted to go for a walk, or if I was going to bed late and I needed, to, or I just got, I was staying up, he was ready to go no matter what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Is if I want to go for if I want to go for a hike at three o'clock in the morning, he's like, "All right, where are we going?" Yep. You know what I mean. And whenever I came home and I had a crappy day, he was there making at the door waiting for me, jumping up and down like I was a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing is they love you regardless. Regardless. Yep. And did the funny thing too is you could step on their foot the morning that same morning they'll scream, yell, whatever, run off, whatever happened. Him, you come in that go late afternoon, whatever, and five, sit there and open a second. I'm happy again. He's, he's happy. happy. Yeah. Yep. It's so, crazy. I wish humans were like that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Place to be I around. deal with a lot of really good people, so yeah. I don't really deal with a lot of crappy people That's or good. miserable or negative people. And even if I do deal with really, really good people that get negative, I try to change that. I try yeah. to say, well, "Why are you being negative? Couldn't it be way worse? What are you being negative about? Right. You know, you, you got to wake up this morning. Well, yeah. yeah, there's days where I wake up and I'm like, I really don't feel like doing anything, and I'll start with that negative. I'm like, nope, nope, can't be like that. I woke up. I woke up. I have food. 
I have a place to live. I have a car. I have friends. I have family. I have a job. I have a dog. I start naming all the things that I have, and I'm like, why am I being negative at all? That's amazing. I have it way worse. That's amazing. I wish my I I'll probably adapt that a little bit. Just like you gotta think about like one thing goes wrong with somebody and they exactly. instantly shut down it's like well think about all the things that are going right why would exactly. you think about the one thing that's going wrong like just let it slide right off your shoulder that's true sometimes you have to vent about it sometimes you know I get my mood too but sometimes you gotta use your imagination in a situation that's terrible you just imagine that it's not nearly as bad as it is sometimes I get, I, get I don't know how you deal with certain people when they get negative around you it's like by being positive yeah if you're just negative, then it's just, nothing ever gets accomplished. Kind of someone's negative, and if if I'm being negative, I'll usually, and someone's trying to be positive around me, I'll just be like, hey, just give me a minute. You know what I mean? I just need a couple seconds. I'm just not in the mood today. <laughs> and you never mean to be bad days. Oh, no. uh, good deal. Can you believe it's been an hour and a half already? No. Yeah, it flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> real fast. Yeah, it flies real fast. I was hungry when I got here, and I'm, yeah. I haven't been hungry at all. <laughs> I'm going to go home and child, though. Good deal. Hey, thanks for joining the show. Is there anything, anyone you want to shout out? or Shout out to everybody that's in my life. You're yeah, all yeah. wonderful. All great. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Anyone that wants to uh, try jiu-jitsu, man, don't second-guess it. Just do it. It will be worth it, I promise you. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're if you have some sort of disability. I don't care if... Uh, any excuse you can come up with you're too young you're too heavy you're too this you're too that just do it it will get better it's not going to be easy but what are we going to see in the ring again I was supposed to fight yeah but the injuries yeah but the injuries so I I don't know the exact date I believe there's another card in either probably late January or early February so I expect to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna be training a lot different a lot smarter okay um Leave the intensity to more, you know, scarce. Like, I'm not going to be training as hard and intense every single day. Right. And try to keep my body healthier. So, I have nothing to prove as far as, like, toughness and conditioning goes. I just have to keep working. Right, exactly. So, and just keep learning. And just keep pushing forward. Yeah, better, keep going better. forward. Yep. And you have Spartan Race you're going to be running next year as well. That's right, right? Hopefully. Maybe. It'll be hey. your next flight. I only do. Or right before the next fight, it's really what how, how it works out. But I know for a fact that we will be seeing you in the gym again. It's going to be an honor for me to watch you just like it was your first fight. Just because I know how much of a warrior you're in there and how serious you take it. And on top of that, and how much it means to you. So, uh, and being your training partner too, it's like a little selfishness in that. <laughs> well, like I said, a, a huge part of it is my support system. Exactly. Every single training partner so I've ever had. Every that. single person that's ever, you know, been in my corner in anything, in any part of life. Yeah. Shout out to everyone that's... You know, everyone's in your life for a reason. That's true. Whether they're in your life anymore or not, they yeah. were there for a reason at one point. Right. So to teach you a lesson, to teach you anything, love, right. compassion, anything like that. So, yeah. Good deal. All right. So uh, that's it. Signing off. That's what's good. All right. Peace.